I'm Dave Cauley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast, Cold. In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts. Welcome back to Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry. I'm going to talk to you during this segment about Roger Stone. He's been in the headlines a bit this week, having to do with the sentencing phase of his trial. He has been convicted of obstructing Congress and intimidating a witness. And uh, anyway, there's been some controversy over a recommendation made by uh, a quartet of prosecutors. They'd like to see a judge sentence Mr. Stone to seven to nine years. That's the criteria in place by the Justice Department right now. A.G. Barr, though, had said, you know, maybe before we send that recommendation, we talk about it a little bit. Is this the appropriate length of time? And then, unbeknownst to A.G. Barr, this is according to the Attorney General himself, according to A.G. Barr, he says that uh, the next day he picks up the newspaper and sees that those four subordinates of his had gone ahead and recommended to the judge that they center, uh, that they sentence rather Roger Stone to the seven to nine years. Anyway, that changed uh, a big strategy on the part of the attorney general. And he, for the first time just yesterday, sat down and spoke with ABC News in a lengthy interview, probably the longest interview I've seen granted by a cabinet member in a, in a long time. And he explained himself. And for the most part, it was very it was very much a technical explanation of the inner workings of the Justice Department offices, specifically those offices uh, managed most closely and directly by the Attorney General, William Barr. Uh, it was fascinating. And then the, the bit of that story that's getting all the headlines today is that the Attorney General said that, uh, well, I'll tell you what, let me let you... Hear it for yourself. It's time to stop the tweeting about Department of Justice criminal cases. A.G. Barr went on to say, I cannot do my job here at the department uh, with a constant background commentary that, that undercuts me. Those two references, the background commentary and the, the demand to stop the tweeting, he's speaking to President Trump there. And now, listen, you and I, I don't know about you, I have for a long time thought the tweeting was far too much. I mean, you see some just real petty stuff coming out of at real Donald Trump on Twitter, and it just makes you cringe. I am one who tends to uh, focus much of my attention out of the White House on the accomplishments. I like the tax stuff. I I like our positions on defense. Uh, But I also am in the category of folks that really cringe a bit when some of the text messages come through. I, at first, I thought some of the nicknames the president would give folks were kind of funny. And uh, that was a, you know, a, a new and kind of weird and odd and intriguing way for a president to speak. I thought, oh my gosh. But if I'm honest, as, as that's, uh, gone on, 
now into three years later. It's, uh, it's, I don't know. I wish things were a little more presidential, huh? Anyway, that's besides the point. The, what I'm talking to you about now is uh, Roger Stone. It, let me tell you, the first time I met Roger Stone, the first time, I've met him twice. Uh, the first time I met him, it was in 2016. It was in uh, summertime. I I had taken a, a break from my work in, as, as a congressional aide for Congressman Bishop, and I was in Cleveland for the presidential nominating convention, and I, I was volunteering in my... My title was Director of Radio Operations. So that meant that of all the radio stations that descended on Cleveland to cover the nominating convention, they would all get set up in this place called Radio Row or Media Row. And it's where all the news outlets get together in one big uh, convention hall. And there are uh, countless broadcast locations, microphones everywhere, cameras everywhere. And my job was to assist in getting the, the principals or the, the, the candidates or the politicians or the folks who had messages they wanted to share. I, my big job there was to connect those folks with the radio stations or the television stations or a uh, big presence there was the internet streaming folks. Uh, YouTube had a big setup there and it was my job to just kind of shuttle folks back and forth, make the appropriate connections. If there was, uh, say, a talk show host desirous of talking to uh, this individual or that individual, I would bring that connection to bear. And one of those people that I walked around for a chunk of the day out there was uh, Roger Stone. Fascinating individual. A convicted felon. Fascinating individual. He you hear his like bombastic way of speaking, his uh, flamboyant way of condemning those who he feels are oppressing him and trying to tear him down. But then, but then, as soon as the microphone's off, as soon as the camera is turned away, he and this, this was it was arresting how how startling it was the the change he and the shift that he made uh, instantly becomes a soft spoken almost warm person. I can remember a very pleasant conversation I had uh, with Roger Stone. In fact, we were talking about uh, there was a, a food truck just parked outside, and he and I were just kind of trading notes about what the best things on the food truck's menu was. And then I'm not kidding you. Five minutes later, when he's behind the microphone, he switches it on and is back into this persona. Anyway, the reason we bring him up is that there was there's some controversy over the sentencing recommendation made by uh, the attorney general's team. Uh, and we have uh, so, some more audio on a play from that interview between uh, Attorney General Barr and ABC News. There's some great stuff. Uh, and I, we're going to find some time later on in the program to share that with you. But for, in the meantime, I just wanted you to know that we are covering it. And it's a fascinating turn. The headline really being that uh, this is for the first time we're hearing uh, negative comments out of the attorney general uh, pointed in the direction of the president. What does that mean for, say, a week or a month from now? Who knows? It may mean nothing. Or it may mean that we soon will be uh, talking to and about a new attorney general. Next up, we're going to talk about the coronavirus and the first Utah confirmed to be infected with the virus next year on Live Mike. I'm Lee Lonsberry, and this is KSL News Radio. A gun in the face. Then all of a sudden, they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. Started two years of horror for an American in Venezuela. They said, you need to give us your phone and get ready because you're coming with us. 
I'm Becky Bruce, and I spent a year researching and piecing together Josh and Tammy Holt's story about their ordeal in a notorious prison. That's when everything started to turn bad. We had another pound on the door. Boom, boom, boom. And there was the police once again. You can binge all of the episodes of Hope in Darkness on kslpodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. Thank you.